And so open your Bibles, please, to the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 5. 2 Corinthians, chapter 5, will be there in just a moment. Uh, the membership classes today, if you want to join our church, you can do that through the class. Or if you'd just like to find out more about the church, you're welcome to come. I teach that class today from 4 to 6. Even if you've not signed up, you're welcome to come. If you'll park on the Seven Hill side, the Seven Hill entrance, come through the Seven Hill entrance. Uh, we'll have signs up that'll help you find it. You can, if you come in one of the under, entr entrances, we'll help you find it as well. But that's kind of the close area. Four o'clock today, I teach that. You're welcome to come, even if you've not signed up. Well, let's open our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and I encourage you to open a Bible. Or some of you may use a phone or a tablet or something, but I'd love for you to follow along. We're only going to look at two verses. One of the reasons why it takes so long to go through this book of the Bible is because I'm only looking at two verses, but they're great verses, and I want us to look at them together. I'm going to talk this morning on the subject of being an ambassador for Christ. It's kind of an odd term. We don't use the word ambassador in just everyday life. I've only met, to the best of my knowledge, one ambassador in my life. So some of you know we go on, um, we have some long-term mission connections in uh, Cuba, in Uganda, and Siberia, but we've gone to other places um, to help with the International Mission Board and to serve the Lord and sharing the gospel. And some years ago, we were in Madagascar on a mission trip, and it's actually a gathering of International Mission Board missionaries from all over that island. That's an island the size of Texas. It's a really big place. And then the surrounding islands, some from South Africa and other places like that. And these missionaries were gathered. And I suppose because there are so many Americans gathered there, the ambassador uh, from the United States to Madagascar came to speak to the group. I mean, there aren't very many Americans in Madagascar. And he just talked about whatever it was. I, I don't remember very many details. I think he primarily talked about what a great ambassador he was, as I recall. But um, he was the representative from the United States to this country of Madagascar. And so he's the guy, the head diplomat, the guy who would represent the interests, the positions, especially as associated with that country from our own country. He represented our administration, our interests, our country. And the Bible says about us, those of us who know Christ as Savior, that we are to be ambassadors for Christ. Let's read these verses together. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning with verse 20, verse 20 and 21. The Bible says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ since God is making his appeal through us. We plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now, here's the principle I want you to get. Believers are to represent Christ to the world. Believers are to represent Christ to the world. That's our task. That's our responsibility. We're to be ambassadors for Christ. Just as that ambassador represented the United States and the country of Madagascar, we, God, uh, calls us, those of us who know Christ as Savior, to be His representatives in this world, the representatives of the kingdom of heaven, of the kingdom of God, and to represent Him in this world. So let's note some principles about this, two main principles, and Maybe if you're a note taker, I've got some sub points you might like to write down as well. Two principles about what that means and what that look like, looks like and what we need to understand if we are to represent Christ well in this world. Principle number one is ambassadors for Christ understand Christ's mission. They understand Christ's mission. Would you just write that down? 
Verse 20 says, um, tells us more about this mission that we have. And I, can I just remind you that God, of course, has given us a mission, that we have responsibilities, that God, of course, works in us, but he works through us. Verse 20 tells us a couple of things here. It tells us first that we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility. The Bible says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. And I just want you to know we have a responsibility. I'm going to talk about four kind of subpoints here of understanding Christ's mission. And the first is we have a responsibility. The Bible says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Now, therefore is referring back, of course, to the verses we looked at last week where the Bible says in verse 18, God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. You may remember I talked about Mrs. Turnipseed, who was in her 80s here in our church, and she talked about the new ministry that she realized God had for her and how we all have a new ministry when we come to know Christ. It's the ministry of reconciliation. Or the end of verse 19 says, He has committed, God has committed the message of reconciliation to us. And we talked about how surprising it is that God reviews people like us to share the message of reconciliation with the world. That's our mission that God gives to us. And the Bible says we have this responsibility, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. So just as that representative in Madagascar was an ambassador for the United States, or there's some ambassador from every country virtually in our world here in our own government, we who name Christ a Savior represent the Lord in this world. We are ambassadors for Christ. Not only do we have a responsibility, but note as well, we serve as messengers. Verse 20 says, therefore, since God is making his appeal through us, do you see we're messengers? Since God is making his appeal through us, God is making an appeal, but he's doing it through us. The Bible says God works in us, and surprisingly, God works through us. Now, you might know that God works in us. That is, he forgives us of sin and he makes us a new person on the inside. But I want you to know God works through us. And he doesn't have to have us, but he wants to work through us in the lives of others. So God chooses to use people like us to make his appeal through us. God makes his appeal to others through us. He's working in us, but he's also working through us. And you may feel sorely uh, poorly equipped for something like this task to be a representative for God. I don't know what it takes always to be an ambassador or some or diplomats who study for years and years. Did you know Shirley Temple, the child actress? I don't know if any of you have ever seen the Shirley Temple, like the old, old movies when she was a little girl and she would tap dance and sing and things and just real cute smile. And she became an ambassador of the United States in two different countries. In her, I mean, I don't I don't know if she had any training or if she gave a lot of money or just somebody thought it'd be good to have a tap dancer in a particular country or something, but she served as our ambassador. And you may say, I don't have any special talents. Maybe you don't tap dance. It's kind of a dying art. You know, maybe you don't have the you know, same winsome, cute smile that little Shirley Temple had. But God in heaven wants you to be used by him. And the Bible says God is making his appeal through us, through us. He doesn't just make the appeal on his own, but he works in us and he works through us to accomplish his purposes. And then the Bible tells us we have a responsibility, we serve as messengers, and then thirdly, no, we care deeply about the response. We care deeply about the response. 
The Bible says in verse 20, we're ambassadors for Christ since God is making his appeal through us and we plead on Christ's behalf. Do you see that there? We plead on Christ's behalf. So we plead about this message. It's not like we say, you know, we don't really care whether or not you give your life to Christ. Take it or leave it. Doesn't matter to us. We're already in the club. If you join, fine. If you don't, no big deal. No, it's not that at all. We are pleading for people to come to, to Christ. And we're not the only ones pleading. We're pleading on Christ's behalf. We plead because he's pleading through us. He uses us to accomplish his purposes, and he is pleading through us. We plead on Christ's behalf. So we care deeply about the response. We care deeply about people coming to know Christ as Savior. Church, we want to care deeply about people coming to know the Lord. We're thankful for every person who's already here, but we want to remember people who aren't here yet. And we want to remember that God cares about people who, who don't know our songs and who don't they don't know the Bible yet, and they may not know our stories, but God cares about them, and we want to care about them even though they're not here. We want to plead with them to come to know Christ as Savior. Some of you know uh, the McGuire's, Bryson and Sarah McGuire. Bryson's our student pastor here, and they are, if you didn't know this, really big coffee people. Uh, Vicki and I were with them some time ago, and they were talking about coffee. I didn't even start drinking coffee until just a few years ago. And boy, once you get in the club, that's a big, that's a serious kind of a club. Maybe we could call it a cultist of sorts, that coffee club. And really, people really get into it and they really talk about it. And the, the McGuire's were really excited about coffee. And, and uh, Sarah started talking about pumpkin spice latte, I think it is, I don't know, at Starbucks. And she asked if I'd ever had it. And I said, no, I've you know, never, I've gotten things for Vicky at Starbucks, but I'd never even gotten anything for myself, and I didn't really go to Starbucks hardly ever, and I'd never tried pumpkin spice latte, and she said, oh, you have to. She didn't ask. She demanded it. You have to go. Promise me you'll go. And so I said, oh, okay, I'll go, and you know, and she said, you can, no, promise me. All right, all right. So sometime out, we were, later we were out, Vicky and I were out driving around, and there was a Starbucks. So I said, Vicky, we got to, you know, keep our word to this you know, crazy woman who wants us to drink all this <laughs> coffee. And so off we um, go into Starbucks, into the line. And I order the small, it's not called small at Starbucks. They, they call it something else so it sounds bigger than it really is. But it's still a small pumpkin spice latte. And then they said, uh, that will be $42,000. <laughs> and now... It wasn't literally $42,000, but it was much closer than I expected it to be. I'll just tell you that, a lot closer than I expected. I said to the lady who was taking the order, I said, I'm not asking for a kidney. You know, I'm just asking for a small pumpkin spice latte. So we get up and pay for it, and it was fine. I mean, you put enough sugar in anything, you know, great. I, I can just drink, I don't even need coffee, and I can just drink sugar. It'd be fine with me, but all right, it's fine. Now listen, they were excited about coffee. They were enthused about it. They were talking about it. They were demanding that we, can I just tell you, we plead. We, we're not like neutral on the message of the gospel. Christian, you ought not be neutral on this. Like, no big deal. Fine. You know, tack this on as an extra hobby in your life. We plead with people to come to Christ. 
Now, we can't make anyone come to Christ. You know that. We can't save anyone by our own power. But we are pleading with people. We urge them to come to the Lord. And we're pleading on Christ's behalf. And then would you notice we communicate God's message. We communicate God's message. That's the fourth thing I'd like you to note in your, if you're a note taker. And here's the message. We plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That's the message. Be reconciled to God. So we're going to talk in a moment about how that happens and what Christ has done to allow that to happen. But the message at its heart is be reconciled to God. It's saying two things. It's saying we are broken and there is hope. Now we are broken. We are created in God's image. But sin has broken our relationship with God. And everything in our life and in our world and in our culture is broken. Sin has broken everything. Did you know our world is broken? The people in this world are broken. The systems of our world are broken. Our politics are broken. Our culture is broken. Everything in our world, even at its best, even at its best is broken. Because sin has entered this world and everything has been affected by that. And you're broken. You know that deep inside, don't you? Even those of you who have never yet given your life to Christ, deep inside you know you're broken. And you can put on a good smile and it can look good on the outside, but you recognize the brokenness of your own life. It won't be long until they'll start showing that movie, A Christmas Story, again. That'll happen soon. And over and over you'll see that. That show will be on over and over. But the little boy wants to get a BB gun for Christmas. And the father has won a major award and he gets a lamp, a lamp that's like a woman's leg and always oh, so proud of it. And then there's a little controversy when somehow that lamp is broken and the father is very distraught. And so he tries to glue it back together and he tries everything to get it just right, but it just, it's too broken. He just can't put it together. And listen, that is us. And we're broken by sin. And we try to put ourselves together and we use the glue of possessions. I say, if I could get enough things, that'll, that'll make me whole. But it's never enough. If I could find enough pleasure, if I could find the right person in my life, you know, just the right guy or girl or someone, if they were in my life, they'll, they'll make me all put me together. But we are broken. And can I just tell you, you'll never get enough glue in this world to put yourself back together. It's too, you're too broken. And you can look good on the, on the outside, smile, and everything's fine. But you know it when you are alone with God, there's something missing on the inside. And so the Bible is saying, the message, be reconciled to God. You're broken, but there is hope. Because there is a God who did, he didn't just leave you in your broken condition. He doesn't just tell you in his word, you're broken. He doesn't stop there. The message isn't just that we've sinned against God, though that is so very true, but that there is hope because of what Christ has done. And so I want us to talk about what Christ has done. I said the first principle was ambassadors for Christ understand Christ's mission. But there's a second principle I'd like you to know. Would you write this down? Ambassadors for Christ understand Christ's work. And I want you to see that God wants us to represent the Lord in this world by knowing the mission that God wants to use us to accomplish his purposes, we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God, but also by understanding what Christ has done for us and how broken people can be made whole again and how God can take people who have fallen short and God can make them a new person. So let's note 
verse 21 and three things I'd like you to note about verse 21. Would you note first the Bible's telling us here, Christ lived for us. I love this. When the Bible says in verse 20, be reconciled to God, it immediately tells us how that happens. Verse 21, the Bible says, he made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin. Let's, let's note that this shows us first the person of Christ, that he is God who became a man. Now listen, there's no one else in this world who did not know sin. We've all been affected by sin. We have a bent towards sin from the earliest age. We have the bent towards sin. We've all sinned consciously and deliberately against God who is holy. But God did something about that. God became a man. God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and God the Son broke into this fallen world, and He lived the perfect life that no one else has ever lived. The perfect life. The sinless life. Christ it was God who became a man, fully God and fully man. And he took on human form, and he knew something of our pain and our weakness. He was tempted, the Bible says, as we are yet without sin. And he lived this life that none of us have, have ever been able to live. He made the one who did not know sin. Notice not only his person, but his nature. He was sinless. He was holy. That's the nature of God. God is holy. Jesus lived the sinless life for us, the one who did not know sin. And I know something about sin. That's not, when you say, uh, did not know sin, that's not me. And that's not you. We know something about sin, don't we? I mean, we redefine it, and we ignore it, and we try to pretend that we're okay because we're better than someone else. But deep inside, we know there's something missing, something broken, something wrong. But Jesus lived the sinless life. He was holy. That's his nature. We see something of his choice. The Bible said, he made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us. He chose to become my sin on the cross of Calvary. He chose to take my place. He chose to live for us. God broke into this world. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, fully God, became fully man, and he lived among us. And he lived that perfect life none of us has ever lived. And then he, we see his result. He lived the life we couldn't. He made the one who did not know to be sin for us, to live the life we couldn't. I, I hear people sometimes say, I'm going to clean up my life first, or I'll come to Christ someday. And I'll just tell you, there's no day somewhere in the future that you can come to Christ. It's always present tense. It's always present tense. There's no cleaning up your life. Christ's death would not be necessary if you could just clean up your life on your own. But the problem is none of us can, we can all self-improve. And, and let me tell you, some of you need to self-improve. I don't doubt that at all. I'm just saying you can't self-improve to perfection. Maybe you can be nicer. That's great. I'd like you to be kinder. And that's, a, that's good. But none of us can self-improve to perfection. And so we all need what only the Lord could do for us. Christ lived for us. Secondly, would you know, Christ took our place. That's the work of Christ. He lived the life we couldn't live, but he took our place. The Bible says he made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us. Let's note his worthiness first. He lived the perfect life so he could die as the replacement for us. And I can't die for you because I've got my own sins. I couldn't take your sins. I have my own sins. 
I've already got the consequences of my own sins. And the Bible says the wages of sin or the consequences of sin is death. So what hope is there for me? Except Jesus, who is worthy, who lived the perfect life, took my place. And he is worthy because of his perfect life to take my place. Notice his sacrifice. He became sin for us. He became sin for us. The one who had never sinned became my sin on that cross. And he became your sin on that cross. He died for you. Listen, it's not, it's not too personal to say he died for you in your place. We talked earlier about the lamb that was uh, the replacement for the life of Isaac in the story of Abraham. And the Bible tells us in the New Testament that Jesus is our lamb who was slain. That Jesus took our place. He took our sin upon himself. It wasn't his sin on the cross of Calvary. It was my sin. It was your sin. And Jesus took our place and took our sin. And he died in our place so that that sacrifice that was made, it was necessary, could only be made by one who was sinless. The, the Old Testament tells us about the Passover lamb that would die and the death angel would pass over the homes that had that applied to the doorpost or the sacrifice on the Day of Atonement that, where the blood was sprinkled on the Ark of the Covenant at the mercy seat, a reminder of the consequences of sin but the forgiveness that God gives. And Jesus is our sacrifice our sacrificial lamb, the one who died in our place. He took your sins. It shows his worthiness and his sacrifice, and it shows his love. Did you know Jesus loves you? I don't know why he loves you, and I sure don't know why he loves me. But I know that he does, because the cross of Calvary is evidence that he would take my sin and die in my place, and that he would take your sin and die in your place. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us. It's personal with Jesus. He loves you. He loves you. Sometimes you just remember things that are just odd to remember. And I, for some reason, this story from college I remember is probably my first year of college. And so I'm still a teenager at that point. And I just remember a Christian friend, one of my friends was a, a believer. For, we were t who knows what we're talking about? It was some time ago that I was in college and a teenager. That was some time ago now. But I remember my friend talking about his church service, and he said there was a guy there. I remember, I think he said his name was Hector. That's how I, even though, I don't know why you remember these things from long ago, but I just, God used this little story. So this guy, Hector, he said, would sing at his church a song called, Were You There When They Crucified My Lord? Were you there? I think the name of the song. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? And he talked about how sometimes he thinks of that and he trembles. That's what the song just has a lot of empathy and such with the death of Christ and how he trembled as he thought about the love of God. And he'd say, but my friend was saying it was like it was kind of funny because he had a funny accent to him and he kind of mimicked his accent. He talked about how he closed his eyes and would sing that song. And, and I kind of laughed with my friend because that's what you do, I guess. And, but in my, was, I kind of thought, wait a second. Maybe there's more to the story, you know. I, didn't, I never met Hector. I don't know anything about Hector. But maybe he closed his eyes, maybe because he was nervous, but maybe because he was remembering what Christ had done for him. And maybe he sang because he had a beautiful voice. But maybe he sang because he so appreciated what Christ had done for him.
And maybe what God wanted a teenage boy to learn was, don't ever forget how much this matters. And don't take it for granted like it's no big thing. Like it's a little hobby you tack on to the rest of your life. Like it's a little nicety that Jesus would break out of the throne room of heaven and come into that little stable in Bethlehem and take on human flesh. And that he would live that perfect life that I couldn't live. And that he would go to the cross for me and take my sin upon his shoulders and that his blood would be shed for me. And maybe I ought not take lightly that he provided the miracle of the resurrection on my behalf. And maybe this was no small thing that Christ would love me like that. Christ lived for us and Christ took our place. And then note, Christ provides us forgiveness. The Bible says this, He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that, there's a purpose, there's a purpose to the cross. The cross is not an accident. Jesus came into this world, headed to the cross. He went there on purpose. No Roman soldier could put Jesus on a cross without his permission. So that in him, notice in him, Christ did this. We didn't do this for ourselves. We can't pick ourselves up by our own bootstraps. In him, we might become, there's a great offer here, and a great privilege that we might become, note, the righteousness of God that we might become the righteousness of God. The Bible is saying, in salvation, we are fully forgiven. So much so that we are declared righteous and holy, as though we had never sinned. Now listen, you know that you have sinned, and I know that I have sinned. But the Lord is saying, the blood of Jesus is so powerful, so sufficient, his love so great, his mercy so real that Christ's death is sufficient to cover the wages of our sin. And Christ died for us on that cross. And Christ died for you on that cross. And so if you will trust him as Savior, the Bible says, God will, will declare you holy as though you had never sinned. You can stand before a holy God fully forgiven because the blood of Jesus is sufficient payment for the debt of your sin. That's why we don't take it lightly. That's why we don't just keep it to ourselves. That's why we don't just say, you know, we just, we just make this for us, the ones who are already here. But instead we plead on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. Because we understand something of the mission of God and something of the work of Christ so we care deeply about people coming to know Christ to save you. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? And I want to ask us to apply this in two ways. Number one, some of you are here who need to be saved. And I want to plead with you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. Christ has done everything necessary for you to be reconciled to God. Maybe you've tried to be good enough or religious enough, but you'll never be able to... Be good enough. That's the point of the gospel itself. But Christ died for you. And I want to ask you today to give your life to Christ. Would you just acknowledge to God, I have sinned against you, God. God knows it, and you know it. God, I've sinned against you. But I believe you died on the cross for me, 
that you lived the perfect life I couldn't live, and you died the death I deserve, and you provided the miracle I need. And so here and now, I want to turn from my sin, and I want to trust you as my Savior and Lord, and if you mean that, Christ will save you. Is that you? Do you need to be saved today? You're hearing this message? Would you give your life to Christ? I want to plead with you. God is making his appeal through us. You can be reconciled to God by the finished work of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to say a word to you believers, those of you who know Christ as Savior. God wants to use us. He gives us this mission. He didn't just work in us, but he works through us. He works in us to forgive us and save us, to give us a home in heaven, to give us a life worth living here. But he works through us to accomplish his purposes. And God will use us. He'll make his appeal through us to this world. And he'll use us to plead on his behalf, be reconciled to God. Would you say, God, I want to have a heart for people who aren't here yet. I want to care about people who don't yet know you as Savior. God, use me. You could do everything that you do without me, but God, I want to join you in the work that you're calling me to. And I want to make a difference for your glory. And I want to allow God to make his appeal through me. And I want to plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So God, I say yes to you. I want to say yes to you. Use me to point other people to Christ. Father, I want to thank you for your word, the power of this passage. We are ambassadors. It just feels like you could have used people better than us, but you choose to use the weak things of this world so that we will find our strength in you. Lord, we recognize that you have done a great work in us in salvation, that you forgive us of sin and make us whole, but Lord, we also remember you work through us to accomplish your purposes, and so this day we want to ask you to help us to do what you call us to do and be on mission with you and to plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And Lord, I want to thank you for people who come to know you as Savior. Maybe some even in this day, in this hour, listening to this message today. Lord, I thank you. They can come to know you as Savior. And Lord, I pray you will help them to follow you and live for you and grow in faith as they trust you. And we'll just believe you to do a great work in them and through them. And thank you for the hope of the gospel. And thank you for reconciling us to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.